You know, there's a line from an old TV show that says, I love it when a plan comes together. If you, if you only knew a plan coming together. The first song, God is on the move, planted a picture in my head. I'm going to give you that picture, and then at the end, I'm going to explain it to you. I'm sure you've all seen in the movies where the the good guy, the bad guy, whatever way you want to put it, are standing one on one side of the street and one on the other. And the bad guy is trying to get the good guy. And in a flash, something comes in between them and one disappears. You've all seen that in a movie. And he doesn't know where the good guy's gone. The bad guy's left standing. Keep that in mind. I'll talk about that later. This Terry uh, you know, called me up, I think it was Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday, and said, well, you made the offer. Can you do it? I said, sure. I knew what subject I wanted to talk about, but I didn't know how to go about it. So, thank you, Lord. May they all hear what you want them to hear. May you speak the words that you want me to say. Over the last few weeks, I've been talking about, first of all, power and authority, and that authority is more important than power. Our authority comes from God through his Son to us. That's in Matthew 28, 18. Then the next week, I talked about God's power to keep us. And all that he has and everything he has for us, he has the ultimate power to keep us. Sometimes we tend to forget that he has the power to keep us, but he does have that power to do that. And that's in Isaiah 26.3. And I also last week talked about the power through the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8, where the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will receive power. So what do we do with God's power, our power, everything that we have? How do we, how do we live in it, and, and what do we find? And, and the question came to me, and this morning I, I, was, I was looking on my little app I have for Fox News, and it, it, it was a story that came out yesterday. I was hoping it would stay on there, but it, it disappeared this, this morning. And it's about people who use Facebook. If you use Facebook, we will pray for you later. <laughs> the study came out of studying the millions or billions of people that use Facebook. As they look at Facebook, about seven, eight hours after they've gone in and look at everybody else's lives, how depressed they are, how empty they feel. Gee, why isn't my life like that? Why, why am I not like somebody I just said, yeah, I'll friend you, or that you really don't know? And they send you pictures, and they say, well, we're in Cozumel, and we're having a wonderful time, and my children are absolutely perfect, and they're all doing this, and, you know, I've got all kinds of money, and Bill's going to buy a private jet, and we'll be able to fly around. And you all look at that, and you go, why not me? 
Why not me in my situation? Again, I think a lot of that is made up stuff. People like to grandize themselves when they think they have a big audience. But people see that and they get depressed. And that's what I want to talk about today. Contentment. Why can we not find contentment where we are? The Bible talks an awful lot about being content. And you all know what I mean. Definition for contentment is the state of being mentally and emotionally satisfied with the way things are. That's the definition in the dictionary. You'll see I have a little different definition of contentment. See, the world sees contentment as being rich, famous, beautiful, skinny, lots of hair. <laughs> you know, <laughs> on the top of your head, nothing out of place, wearing the best car or clothes, having the best car, having the most beautiful woman on your arm or the best looking guy. That's the way the world sees contentment. Being a rich business owner, having everything you know in reality they're not content. I would say there's some, probably some who feel content, but they're striving for something they do not have. So then in contrast, why does the little family who lives in a little house in Outback, Iowa, with three kids, dad works two jobs, Mom stays home to keep things going. Don't have much. Don't get to go to Disney World or Cozumel or anywhere else every year. Don't get to take that world tour, that cruise. Dad comes home every night. Loves his family. The world looks at them and says, how can you be content with that? You need more than that. You've all heard the commercials that say, you deserve, you deserve this. There's two different ways that the world looks at this. And it's, and it's not just once in a while, it's continual. And we all fall trap of it. We all look at our lives and go, if only I hadn't married her or him. if I had only had more money or done better. And then you always have the host of people that tell you, why did you marry him or her? Why didn't you get a better job, a better education, more money, and do better by yourself? You would be content. In my uh, 65 years, I have learned that that is such a lie, it is unbelievable. But the world still believes it, still strives for it. In, in my own life, I've, uh, I'm, and most of you know, I've, I've been unemployed four times. Four kids, 
eight grandkids, ninth on the way. I've been unemployed four times. My wife and I have looked back, and was I the best husband in the world? Not always, but we were always taken care of. It brought me closer to the Lord. We look at our circumstances and go, well, yeah, I got cash in the 401k because we've got to pay the mortgage. There were years with a mortgage and all the bills and four kids that I made $18,000. Now that made, in today's, I'd, I'd be in poverty. Absolute poverty at that. I could do better just drawing money from the government. But we were always taken care of. And we never saw it going forward. We always saw it in the past. We weren't wise enough to see it going forward. In comparison, um, I have a brother-in-law who is, well, his words to me is, I'm a millionaire. Well, I'm glad you are. One time my wife and I were visiting her parents with the kids down in Florida, and this was, gosh, 25, 30 years ago. And my wife has always been the brunt of the, why haven't you? I knew my mother-in-law didn't like me a whole lot at first. Before she passed away, I was, I was the greatest person ever born. Shows what senility does. <laughs> no, no. She, she grew to like me. She didn't like my politics, but she grew to like me. But my wife always got, why did you stop teaching? She was very smart, had double major. Why did you stop teaching to raise your family? You could have done so much better. You would have so much more money now. You wasted all that time. Nothing like trying to lift up your 30-year-old daughter, huh? Well, she got a lot of this from her brother, her brother because he did quite well. He you know, went to school and got into pharmaceutical sales and got into management and I won't talk about legal problems, but wasn't always the most ethical person in the world. Made lots of money. Lots of money. Had two kids, big home. Became a sales manager for a big company. Making all kinds of money. Right after a family reunion, they were all there. It's probably the last time I've seen them all. He announced that... Uh, he was divorcing his wife of 30-some years, and that it was over. My wife, in her loving kindness towards her brother, really felt sorry for him. Basically, he gave his wife a million dollars and said, I'm done with you. His two girls really haven't talked to him since. He lost a relationship with them. And the... Interim, my wife lost relationship with the girls, too. They just pushed that whole part of the family away. My wife, we were coming up on Thanksgiving, and my wife goes, I feel so sorry for Larry. 
Oh, it's Christmas time. I feel so sorry for Larry. He's all alone. He's going to spend Christmas alone. His, his family won't see him and stuff. And I said, are you kidding me? Do you think Larry is all alone? I said, call him and ask him. Well, it turns out Larry couldn't come for Christmas because he and his girlfriend were going on a cruise down to the Mexican coast. I pretty sure this girlfriend was not a recent acquirement, but it was part of the cause for the divorce. Here's a man with all the money. He had a couple Porsches, big house. His kids are good. They don't know who they are in the Lord. He wasn't content. So all the all the frills and all the things that come on you don't make you content. So my wife was out when we were down in Florida. She was out riding her bike. One of the bikes in the mobile home park where they lived at the time. She said, Lord, it's just not fair. How come Larry? Blah, 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 blah. And she came back and told me the Lord talked to her. Said, what does it profit a man that he gained the whole world and loses his soul? Made an impression on my wife. See, we all know people who day to day just aren't content. You've heard the saying, you'd complain if they hung you with a new rope. You know, they're just not happy. You've all seen people in stores. You've all seen people at, at work and stuff. You're just not happy. They have something to complain about. I have a wonderful neighbor, but I don't want to get on her bad side. She's a spitfire. She'll get in your face. This last week, because of things going on, I haven't been able to mow my lawn. So the city I live in came by and gave me a citation. You must mow your lawn. I'm going, I know that. Well, I told her, she wrote a letter to the board of the town I live in, which is locally. And said, how dare you do that when you don't even take care of the easement behind our place? And if you don't come and cut all that tall brush, which is some of it is, you know, five, six feet tall. And if you don't come and cut that down or have the guy that owns the easement, I'm going to show up and I'm going to make a stink at the next meeting the mayor's at. Jane would do anything for me. But she's not content. She doesn't understand. See, the world looks at contentment totally different than we do. Matthew 6.32, where I'm going to begin, or continue. Matthew 6.32. For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. All these things are the things that you worry about that you don't have. The world runs after the things God has promised us. Which if we go back to Matthew 6.25 and start reading there, you will see. Matthew 
and we'll come across 632, but I wanted to point those verses out to you. They're the things the pagans run after. Matthew 6.25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? That's a Selah verse. How is worrying going to change anything? But we all do it. We've all laid awake at night and gone, Oh, what? What am I going to do tomorrow? Well, God kind of answers that. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Okay, I want to, I want to talk about that. Faith. It's not something that you build up. It is not something that you generate on your own. And then run to God and say, look how much faith I have. Faith is just believing that God is able to do what he has promised to do for you. He shows it to you and you go, I accept it. That is faith. So don't let the faith part of it become a stumbling block to you. We believe in grace, total grace. We live by grace. And we've all heard in the healing ministry, Oh, if you had only had more faith, you'd have been healed. No, that's not true. There's something else there. It's not the lack of faith. Go on, verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. We have all gone through periods of time where we've had each day has enough trouble of its own. But have faith. Believe God is able. Let's go to... Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 8. Read 8 through 16. I'm just trying to build a little uh, background here. Now this section of Corinthians is talking about wisdom that comes from the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 8 through 16. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However it is written, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, or mind conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Important verses. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. 
you have no clue what God has already prepared for you. You do not see it. You do not hear it. But see, you have faith that it exists. You believe God is able to deliver on his promises. They are always yes and amen. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit whom is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes decisions about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may be instructed? But we have the mind of Christ. You want to know why the world doesn't understand contentment? Because it comes from the Spirit of God. You tell somebody, be content. If I stood up here and told you all, you need to be content. First thing you would do is take condemnation because you would feel that I'm not content with everything. That is not the purpose of this message. There's no condemnation in this. We all have places in our lives where we can see we can be more content. I, had, after 65 years, have become more content than I ever have been. Because my being content has nothing to do with my surroundings or what's going on. It is peace. It is peace knowing God. It is peace knowing that he is within me. As I just read, it is the spirit that is in you. It is the mind of Christ that is in you that brings you contentment. Now Paul wrote these words, that he has the spirit. Well, he went on and he described some of the things that he went through. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 11. Pick up in verse 23. Just I know you've all heard these things, but you need to be reminded every once in a while. We'll start in verse 23. Are they servants of Christ? Am I out of my mind like this? I am more. I have worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received the Jewish from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Because if they give him the 40th one, it may kill him. So they only gave 39, which is really nice of them. And three times I have been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and that is in the biblical terms, not in the natural terms. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from the rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from the countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. 
Danger, danger. He went through horrible times. Horrible times. He was left for dead. So how can a man in this kind of situation come to the to the place where he goes, and we'll turn to Philippians. We'll, we'll state what he says. Let's go to Philippians. Philippians 4. Philippians 4. 11. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content. Whatever the circumstances. Now think about the circumstances we just talked about. He has learned to be content. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. He learned the secret of being content. And you know, I just, it really came to a revelation to me, and it's my revelation, and I'll share it with you this morning as we were sitting here worshiping. On, on the outside, being saying, I, I've learned the secret of being content, he knows that God can do everything that strengthens him. But I think it's a little deeper than that. The secret is not something Paul earned or worked for. He wasn't worthy of it. The secret wasn't all the training he had in the synagogues, everything he had there. But it was something that God gave him through grace. And we see it in Romans 8, 9 and 11. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. That is not your righteousness that you've earned, it is the righteousness because Christ lives in you. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life in your mortal body. Though his spirit, through his spirit, who lives in you. See, I, I went back and I go, well, that's the secret. Christ lives in you. But I think it's a little bit deeper than that. First of all, you have to realize that Christ does live in you. You take that by faith. You live it out. You know it's there. That's part of our walk, is trying to live every day, living the Christ in you and living it out. But I'll end with this, with my little picture I gave you at the beginning. God is on the move. You see, the, the bad guy, if you, if you want to take him as any sort of adversary you have, financial, emotional, spiritual. He's staring at you, trying to face you down from across the street. 
and you stand there and you're in fear. Don't be in fear. God's on the move. You see that thing that goes in between you? And you disappear? Is the Spirit of God. He takes you completely out of the field. Takes you out of the view of your danger. See, that's why you can be content. Being content is not just saying, well, I'm poor and I'm always going to be poor. I'm single and I'm always going to be single. I'm sick and I'm always going to be sick. That is not contentment. God never says, be happy in the plot you're sitting in. He says, be content because I am on the move. I will come and I will move through your life. I will be faithful to you. And that's why the world does not understand it. They don't understand God is for us. Nobody can be against us. We have victory through him. So when you start feeling like if you're going to complain about your situation, remember that little picture of your adversary trying to face you down because you know there's something that's going to blow in like a storm. The world may not see it, but you're going to be taken out of its view. And God is going to take care of you. See, you're content because you know God loves you and he is there for you and he will take care of you. You are not content because that's the way the world says you. this is your lot. Live in it. You're content because God loves you and he will take care of you. Yeah, God. Donna's going to 